0: From Nine News in Denver, Colorado, this is Blame, an ongoing
1: investigation into a mother's death, her husband's secrets, and the lax police work that put Blame squarely on the shoulders of their six-year-old son. Was the shooting of Jill Wells really an accident? Join Nine Wants to Know in our pursuit to discover, is someone else to blame?
2: A gunshot echoes across a windswept prairie. A young mother dead,
3: knowing everything, you know, we have no proof of anything. That we know now.
2: An investigation over before it began. The child I feel like I failed him too. Gut feelings. Oh
0: man, if I just would have known this a long time there was ago. A lot
3: of red flags. And an unanswered question. The preponderance of evidence.
0: I would have done something about this.
3: This really points to a homicide. Was a six-year-old really to blame?
0: If we were recording right now a podcast, what should we be focusing on? It's been a year since we were first here. Why are we here? Why are we about to walk in and talk to the sheriff?
2: It's a sunny day in Hugo, an hour and 45 minutes from Denver. Producer Anna Houston and I just pulled into the parking lot outside the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office. We're back where we first started looking for answers in the death of Jill Wells, killed on a remote ranch in 2001 in a shooting that her husband blamed on the couple's six-year-old son, Tanner. Our podcast and our stories shine light on this case and on Colorado's system, where people with no medical background or training can serve as county coroners. Now we're back to talk to Sheriff Tom Nestor and Coroner Andy Lawrenson to find out what's new. But first, we need a little impromptu strategy call with our executive producer, Nicole Vapp, who's at the office back in Denver.
0: Well, you know, we're going in to talk to the latest people in charge of this case. You know, how do they see this different than anyone else that's been in charge there?
2: Does Does, does somebody in the system, the collective system of all the uh agencies that had some piece of this, the sheriff, the coroner, the district attorney, etc, does somebody in the system owe more to to Jill Wells, to Tanner Wells, to Jill's family, even to Mike Wells in his memory, you know and what what is that what what should the average person expect if this was their loved one who had died? and they had had an investigation done the way this one was done, and the questions that have surrounded this for this number of years, what should they expect? That's one thing I want to know. Okay, it's been a while since our last episode, so a few reminders. This is a story about Mike and Jill Wells, who from outside appearances had it all. His construction business looked to be thriving. She was a respected nurse at a Colorado Springs hospital. They had two beautiful boys, a big house, new cars. But lurking beneath that veneer were a lot of problems, financial and marital. Mike was behind on child support for two kids from a previous marriage. The couple was in serious debt and continually behind on their taxes. Mike had a drug problem, and Jill and many others suspected he was involved with another woman. In early 2001, Jill applied for more than a million dollars in life insurance. It was Mike's idea. Five weeks later, she was dead, and the investigation was cursory at best. The sheriff at the time, Leroy Yowell, and his son, Under-Sheriff Alan Yowell, spent less than two hours at the scene. They didn't take fingerprints, didn't test the four guns they found, didn't follow up on reports that Mike was having an affair. Then they returned the guns to Mike the next day. The coroner at the time, Don Bender, decided no autopsy was necessary. Although it would be weeks before the official report would be issued, the investigation was essentially over in a day. Then Mike died of a drug overdose in 2008, just after the case was reopened.
0: And I'd like to know, one of the things that we've heard a lot of people ask us is, why does this matter because Mike Wells is dead? And if he is the main other suspect and Tanner can't be charged, then why go through all this? Just let it lie. Is that fair to Tanner? And how much does that weigh on people making decisions about
4: what to do in
2: this case? Right. And if you ask me that question, I would say it's more than that part. It's certainly it is what should Tanner expect and what does he take from all this? And that's for him to decide, obviously. But this case is also speaks to a larger issue, right? Because... Even today, if this shooting happened just like this today, there's nothing in Colorado law that would require the coroner to do anything differently than what he did 16 years ago. And, you know, they the Coroner's Association, you know, points out that they have these new guidelines for autopsies that have been adopted since then. But when you read the guidelines, the one that applies to a case like Jill's says there has to be known or suspected criminal activity. And we... We have to assume that the people at the scene that day didn't know or suspect criminal activity or they would have done many things that they didn't do. Jill's sister Joy suspected the worst from the beginning. In 2003, she and another sister, Julie, came to Colorado asking questions. They got nowhere. Julie returned five years later and found there was a new sheriff in town, Tom Nestor, and a deputy willing to listen to her, Albert Leach. Nestor and Leach reopened the case. And though they discovered one red flag after another, beginning with the life insurance, the investigation stalled after Mike's death. In 2016, we started asking questions to see if more could be done.
0: A year ago, we were sitting in the same parking lot. At that time, did you think we would be here a year later, still trying to figure out what's going on with this case?
2: Yeah, I thought this might take a while. (laughs) I really did. If you had said a year, I might have said... Yeah, maybe a year. I, I mean, obviously, we always want to get these things done more quickly than, than they sometimes happen. But I've worked on other stories like this that took this long before. So I'm not that surprised knowing how complicated this is and how many things we had to deal with, with the family, with various authorities, trying to track down information that, nobody else had tried to track down before
0: for me it's interesting that it's kept the interest of the sheriff's department for past year and they're still working with us to try and figure this out they haven't moved on
2: yeah i mean one thing i'd say over and over again the current sheriff tom Nestor, has opened his files to us and answered every question and made themselves available and has been very responsive as we have proceeded on this journey as a reporter (laughs) There's nothing I appreciate more than public officials that believe seriously in the public's right to know what they're doing.
0: I'd like to ask them, has anyone come forward since our stories have aired and since the podcast has been out there to shed any new light or perhaps create more questions about what
2: happened that day? Yeah, that's a good question. We'll ask that question. I know that a lot of people that contacted me were people that i'd whose names i'd never heard that sort of filled in blanks or confirmed things that we suspected or in a lot of cases confirmed things that we already
0: knew and what what's left for them to do can they compel people who didn't want to talk to us to talk can they do more investigating that we haven't thought of that it all sits on my brain because the one person who is alive who was there that day as we've you know talked to experts May have questionable memories. All right, thanks, Nicole. All right, Godspeed. Call me afterwards. Okay. I'm dying to know what they say.
2: A blustery wind blows as Anna and I walk to the sheriff's door.
0: They're here, Karen. How are you, sir? Just fine.
3: How are you?
2: Good. You remember Anna? I'll
4: let you in <laughs> <laughs>
5: okay. How are you, sir? I'm good. How about yourself? Good.
2: Sheriff Nestor takes a seat in a conference room. The banker's box containing Jill Wells' case file at his side. So it's been a few weeks since we uh, aired our reports and published our stories, and of course, since we've had the podcast. Right. What's new from your perspective?
6: We've developed a couple leads from the news story. Um, People that have contacted us directly and wanted to talk to us, we're in the process of setting those up now. Um, Not sure where that will take us, but any new information is good in this case.
2: Are these people that that, uh, your office had not previously spoken
6: with? That's correct, people that we actually didn't even have names for.
2: Are you hopeful they may be able to shed light on some aspect of this that you don't currently know?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean obviously we've got a lot of new information since we reopened it in 2008 but given the circumstances the only thing we can hope for now is somebody does come forward with information that we don't have to move the case further on any investigation.
2: What would be your ultimate hope? In a perfect world, what would you hope you could accomplish?
6: You know, in a perfect world, it'd be the same as what we hoped for in 2008, that we could prove that that Tanner didn't do this. But right now, I, I don't know that we can do that without further information from people coming forward to give us maybe something that was said or done in the past. So in a perfect world, I'd like to to give some closure to this family, and that was the ultimate goal all along.
2: One of the things that we've talked about that's sort of a, I think, maybe a frustration is that um, the combination of the passage of time and the fact that Mike Wells is dead has sort of left this situation where your role in this, the coroner's role, the district attorney's role, Nobody has this mandate to take this on, right? right? The district attorney pointed out to us, like, his job is to prosecute cases. Right. In this case, at this point, it doesn't look like there's anybody to prosecute. That's correct, yeah. And yet, at the same time, just thinking as a citizen, the question that keeps coming to my mind is, like, is something more owed to Jill Wells and to her family and to her son and even to Mike Wells right? by the system? And by the system, I mean, you know, collectively, everybody... Right. involved in this. What do you think about
6: that? You know, I, I mean, I totally understand mandates. But when we reopened this in 2008, it wasn't because we absolutely had to. I think morally, I think it was the right thing to do. There's enough red flags in this case that we felt like we needed to push forward and, and get the truth. And um, I, I do think the system itself, working with the coroners, working with the DAs, we do owe it to the, to the victims of crime to, to solve these cases.
2: When we talked before, you talked about the idea of even meeting with Tanner sure. and being able to talk to him. Is that still something you think about doing?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I do. I mean, I've I seen what Tanner um, wrote for your investigation, so I, we, we totally respect where he stands. And I would like to talk to him here in the future, and there will be a time that I can do that. I think that we need to continue to follow up with this case and see where it takes us. And And ultimately, I would love to sit down with Tanner and talk to him one-on-one about this case.
2: What Tanner wrote was simple, that he remembered what happened the day his mother died and that the gun was in his hands, not his dad's, when she was shot. Do you see any scenario where there's a prosecutable offense still out there, barring discovering some other person being involved that nobody's ever known about
6: you know with all the investigation that has been done since 2008 there's only really one suspect in this case mike wells he's gone Um, having that issue obviously there's no nothing to prosecute Um, but i still think it's important to go forward to try to give some closure to the family the sisters even tanner and mike's family even mike's family i i mean there's a lot of questions in this case that needs to be answered and honestly I don't know if we'll ever get them all answered again we go back to any unsolved case and I consider this an unsolved case we owe it to these people to the community to look farther into that and you know if we quit doing that then we're going to fail at at our jobs and I think that no matter how big your agency is or how small it is you you owe to the people to look further into that
2: but the sheriff is only one part of the equation. In the wake of our reports, another official, Lincoln County Coroner Andy Lawrenson, was urged to look into Jill's death. After we finished talking to the sheriff, we sat down with him. And you're the Lincoln County Coroner. I am. I was elected in
4: 14 and took office in 15.
2: In thinking about the Jill Wells case, obviously this is a case that happened long before you became coroner. Correct. You initially were confronted with just the what was in the
4: file in your office. Did you have any impression of it when you initially looked at it? Talking with uh, the sheriff's office, getting a better idea of their file is, as well, was a lot more comprehensive than mine. Um, it looked like it really could go either way. And when I looked at this, it looked to me like
2: you basically probably had three options. you could uh, You could do nothing. You could leave the death certificate as it was you could amend the death certificate in some way, or you could do further investigation maybe through an inquest, um, which is something I know one of your predecessors considered doing for a time in this case. An inquest is a little used hearing where coroners can issue subpoenas, call witnesses, take testimony, and gather evidence. All of it considered by a jury of citizens that renders a determination
4: on how and why someone died. Um... Really the options that I looked at most closely were leaving it as as it was, as an accidental, or amending it to undetermined. Because there really is facts to support both, that this could have been an accidental death or it could have been a homicide. Did you think much about a an inquest? I thought some about an inquest, but in this case it didn't seem to have a lot of value um, that would, because the witnesses that I would want to call are no longer available. Mike Wells for example. Mike Wells would have been a primary and I'm I'm obviously I'm not gonna ask Tanner to come back to Colorado to be a part of an inquest for me. Um, He's gone through enough. I'm not gonna ask him to do that.
2: Let's talk about the options facing a coroner filling out a death certificate. The cause of a person's death can be anything. In Jill's case it was a gunshot wound to the head. That's never been in dispute. But there's also a section for the manner of death, and there, coroners have only six options, natural, accidental, suicide, homicide, pending investigation, and undetermined. Back in 2001, then Lincoln County Coroner Don Bender called Jill's death an accident, an official endorsement of the story told by Mike Wells. The Tanner fired that shot. After our reports, Lawrenceon consulted the sheriff, the district attorney, and a well-respected former coroner. And he decided the right thing to do was to amend Jill's death certificate. He changed the manner of death. Now it says could not be determined.
4: Have you ever amended a death certificate before? Not in this manner, no. It's, it's a routine practice to amend death certificates. Um, but mainly it's because the cause of death is pending. Once we get the autopsy report back, I go to, I fill out the final. But not in this manner, no. Not going back years and years and having to research and make a decision, no. Do you have any doubt in your mind if you were called
2: to a scene like this today that you'd have an autopsy done?
4: No, there's no doubt in my mind there would have been an autopsy done.
2: Let's say that the sheriff were to reach a point through his further investigation where he said, uh, I'm comfortable saying this was a homicide. I guess the death certificate would be amended again. Is that
4: what would happen? It's correct. If, if there was enough evidence to support, true evidence to support um, a finding of homicide, I would, if I'm still in office, I would consider amending it again.
2: If there is one person qualified to pass judgment on Lawrence's decision, it's Dr. Michael Doberson. You probably remember him. He was Arapahoe County's coroner for more than 20 years, a man who performed more than 6,000 autopsies, including the one on Jill's body after it was exhumed in 2008. He greets us at the door of his mountain home with his dachshund, Jackson. Then we head up to his office to talk about Jill's case, about Lawrence's decision to reclassify Jill's death, and specifically, his thoughts on that.
3: I guess my reaction would be complicated. Uh, On one level, he's the elected coroner, and this is his jurisdiction, and that's his decision, and it's a decision he's going to have to live with and in some ways um, um, have the uh, have the ability to justify that decision Uh, i don't necessarily agree with it but that comes from my perspective and my involvement of the case in the case Uh, i did the autopsy on jill wells i i know what i found i worked closely with cbi I worked closely with the Lincoln County Coroner on the case, and knowing everything that I know, I don't have any qualms about sticking my neck out in some, in some way to say that uh, this is a homicide. Is the, all the evidence points to it, and that would be my conclusion. But that's my conclusion based on my training and my experience and um, my over 20 years of experience as a medical examiner and coroner. And um, I'm not sure why he decided to make that decision. That's something that he would answer for. But in some ways, it doesn't really provide an answer as to what happened. It's kind of a punt. And, uh, in, and in that sense, I, I just wonder how the family's going to feel about that. But uh, but again, that's, uh, that's Andy's decision, and he's got to stand by it and justify it. Kind of so, like kissing your sister. It's kind of like kissing your sister. Yeah, it's it's uh, we and and I have have uh, certified cases as as undetermined as well. So I mean, I've been in that situation. But in, in this particular case, um, I'm, I'm not sure it's justified.
2: On the other hand, he also could have left the death certificate alone and, and I suppose not even, uh, you know, not passed any sort of official pronouncement on, on his predecessor's dis- decisions.
3: He could have, and, and at least we're sort of moving in the right direction. The, the classification undetermined signifies that there's some degree of uncertainty in in what we know happened and and obviously i would agree with that there were no um, no witnesses at least no witnesses giving credible information at the time and and even now so we're left with in some ways a circumstantial case but but even given that i think it's still uh, still possible to arrive at a conclusion about what happened and that's i believe homicide do you have any
2: guesstimate of how many times in your career you had a reopened case where you then amended a death certificate?
3: I can think of uh, two or three cases in my um, in my career where I had to amend a death certificate. Uh, one may have been a case that I handled, and another was a case where uh, uh, the previous coroner had made a determination that, uh, subsequent evidence found that that was wrong. So it it does happen.
5: We
2: were out in Lincoln County yesterday, actually, and um, the sheriff, Tom Nestor, uh, they've received a few tips, one in particular that they're quite interested in as a result of our stories about this, and so from a criminal investigative standpoint, they're continuing to do some work on this. Don't know where it's going to go, don't know if it's going to provide a a more satisfying answer or solution. But I asked, so what happens if that leads to a clear-cut determination by you that this was a homicide? And the coroner said, we can amend the death certificate again. Have you ever heard of a death certificate being amended twice? Yes. It has happened?
3: Oh, yeah, it does happen. I mean, these... um, Unfortunately, when something bad happens, we, it's just impossible to know everything at the time. And things can develop over a period of time, so uh, yeah, it can't happen.
2: And I guess that's a bridge that might be crossed at some point in the future, I suppose, if the evidence backs it up.
3: It might be, and, and that's good to hear. It's good to hear that law enforcement really never gives up on these cases. And and one of the things that we always try to teach coroners is that um, a case is really never closed. You think that you've got all the information, you think you've signed it out correctly, but information comes to light later and you've got to be able to set the record straight because it is a public record. I mean,
2: who knows how often this happens and it's never discovered.
3: That's right, the mistakes are buried. And one of the best descriptions of what we do came from one of the small county coroners when asked about what what does a coroner do she said we write the last chapter in a person's life what could be more important than that
2: despite changing the death certificate lawrenson the current county coroner told us he hadn't contacted jill's family and he wasn't planning to So I called three of her sisters, who have all helped tell the story of what happened to her. I told Joy, the first to suspect that it was Mike who killed Jill. I talked to Lynn, who became Tanner's guardian after Mike's death. And I had my longest conversation with Julie, whose questions led Lincoln County authorities to reopen the case in 2008, and who helped convince other members of her family that the time was right to tell Jill's story.
5: Hi, Julie.
1: Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. How are you?
5: I'm good. I'm good. So, Julie, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some things happening in Jill's case. Um, The Lincoln County Coroner has uh, filed paperwork to change the death certificate from accident to undetermined.
1: I think it's great. We've been waiting a long time for this, some kind of a change, and our whole family is just blessed and uh, thankful to you and to Tom Nestor, Albert Leach for just taking good care of us and looking for the truth. I just think that that's the biggest thing is that they're recognizing that the case was wrong, that they made mistakes. We're thankful.
5: Does it feel that way to you, sort of an official acknowledgement of the problems with the original investigation and the Original conclusions?
1: Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I knowing that they don't, they didn't do finger press, fingerprints, uh, ballistics, uh, no autopsy. I think that that was a mistake. So, I think they're acknowledging that that they made mistakes, and um, Tanner wasn't to blame. He never should have been to blame. So, that's our main concern was Tanner and uh, what this was going to do to him. So that's it. (laughs) I mean, I, my sister was a person and I felt like she didn't get treated like one. I felt like she was a number and, um, they could have done so much more to, uh, figure out what happened that day. But it was like it, everything was swept, swept away and under the rug, and uh, they didn't give her a fair chance. So, in in turn, they didn't give our family a fair chance to grieve and to um, to even get any closure. So, that was that's the big part is that we have. For 16 years, wondered what happened that day. And uh, finally now we're at least getting some answers to um, some of the questions. So we're thankful.
5: I, I sort of have always felt like, even though the, coron- the coroner is only one part of the equation, I've always sort of thought that the death certificate saying that it was an accident was sort of the official stamp of the state of Colorado on the version of events that mike provided that day and and now it it feels like you know there's acknowledgement that that the evidence doesn't support that doesn't doesn't isn't strong enough to conclude that that's definitely what happened you know
1: right i'm hoping that this will uh maybe change the laws in colorado to uh Anybody who wants to be a coroner should be qualified and certified and go through training and not just be twenty one and, you know, have a driver's license or whatever they need. Uh, I think that's a big thing because if they don't know what they're doing they they don't do it. So I mean that's basically what happened to Jill, you know. And uh Basically, I feel like she wasn't a person that day. She was she was a nobody, and it didn't matter what happened that day, and they just didn't do enough, not enough for me or my family or Tanner or, or Mike or Jacob, you know. I mean, the whole family, everybody is included in that, you know. Um, I don't. I don't think it was fair.
5: One thing you um, you told me before, you know, was that um, that you had some some you had felt some guilt over the years about not pushing for answers, not asking questions, not you know rocking the boat. I guess. Does this? I mean, finding out that the death certificate is being changed does that does that start to I mean, do you do you feel differently knowing that that's being done? Does that make sense?
1: I feel like it's all been worth it. I mean, I think that now that we have gone through this, these podcasts, these amazing podcasts that honor my sister and tell truth, and um, they're not made up; they're they're real. Um, that has that has given us hope, and it's also um, brought a lot of closure to questions and um we feel like jill has been honored and people are remembering her as a beautiful soul and and a beautiful person that um just didn't get done right i feel like she her you know she wasn't done right by the system and uh I feel like now we're, we're honoring her and we love her and people know her now as a person, as a, a loving mother and daughter and sister, and we're just thankful. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Not sure what else to say.
5: So the other thing I wanted to tell you, we, we talked to Sheriff Nestor last week. And um, they got some tips after, um, after the stories ran, and they're doing some follow-up interviews with some people later this week, as a matter of fact. And I know one of them was from someone who knew Jill and Mike and, and has a lot of questions about, particularly about money right. and where the money went and the involvement of some other people. Um, and, uh, the other person I don't know as much about, the sheriff, you know, is, is, he's trying to do a, a proper investigation, and so he's not talking to us at this point about what exactly the tips are, but, but they're going, you know, down to the Carlton Springs area to do some more interviews this week, so they're continuing to work on it.
1: I think that it's just another step closer to uh, really finding out the truth about, about this situation and, you know, what was going on in Jill's life at that time. I mean, um, we all want to know where Mike's head was. You know, we all want to know... Uh, where tanner was and where the boys were and you know what jill was doing was she you know hurting was she you know was she happy i don't know i'm not sure if uh she didn't share all that stuff with us i think that she was too worried that we would worry so you know she was a little isolated but i mean finding out from her friends uh she had a lot of good friends that you know, would pray with her and, and talk to her. and um, But I do believe that there are some people out there that need to come forward. I, I don't know if they would ever go through this thing, but if somebody else had information, they would want to know. So I just encourage anybody that has information, to come through, you know, and, and talk about it because we don't know. We don't know everything and um, we want to know. <laughs> you know, it's it's been 16 years and some people may say that it's kind of stupid <laughs> for us to bring this up. I've read uh, some things on online that, you know, why, why don't you talk about today? But, I mean, it's not just today. It's, it's yesterday is today for us all the time, you know, I mean, because we still have answers and, um, I think, you know, I I feel like it's, she was a person. And if it was your sister, if it was your family, anybody would want to keep on trying to find out the truth. So, um, that's pretty much what I, uh, what I feel. I feel like I'm thankful for anybody that wants to share any information.
5: Yeah, and we should know more about what those people have to say and how the yeah. sheriff evaluates that, you know, um, after they do those interviews. And, and um, you know, there may be some follow-up that comes out of those with still other people, which would be, um, you know, it would be interesting to see what else they can learn.
1: I know that her life meant something, and um, I believe that she changed lives, and she changed my life. She's changed a lot of people, you know, even through this podcast, but um, I just want, I want everything to be better for the next family that has to go through this. I want everybody to have some peace of mind and not, not have to wonder and worry because of a botched investigation or, you know, somebody that really doesn't understand what they're doing. I don't know. We're just blessed to, I guess I could say that God brought you into our lives for, um, for a good reason and a good cause to fight for, fight for the truth.
5: Well, I, I appreciate all that. That's nice of you to say, and I would certainly say that um, we appreciate the fact that all of you, you know, were so, um, you know, so willing to open your hearts to us and to tell your story. And I know it wasn't always easy, and I know that um, losing someone that you love that's important to you is is something you live with for the rest of your life, and and we. We appreciate that. We really do appreciate that. And, um, I, um, you know, I'm eager to see what sort of new information the sheriff might turn up in talking to these people. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, there's no way to change what was done 16 years ago. You know, we can't go back in time and do it differently, but um, the authorities now certainly seem to be taking it pretty seriously and trying to figure out what they can do at this point
1: well I, I hope I hope will just keep on finding answers and um, getting more information so you guys are the best all I can say is that um, I I really love my nephews Tanner and Jacob and um, I'm I'm I didn't do this to hurt you. I've never wanted to hurt you. I've tried to do this with love and kindness. And um, also my whole family, um, I'm thankful that they were willing to finally let this door be opened and um, not to shut it out because it was hard. been hard to hold it in and um I was thankful that we could actually cry again and and talk about our beautiful sister and uh I didn't do it to hurt anybody didn't do it to hurt Tanner I I I feel like maybe maybe that is possibly what he feels but I've always loved that boy. He's always loved me, and, uh, I didn't do that. I did that because I love my sister as much as he loves his brother, and I believe that anybody would do that. Um, I think everybody should do that for their brother or sister. Jill would have done this for me probably the day it happened, and, uh, I was just a little maybe too naive or a little too loving and didn't have a lot of money, (laughs) you know. I'm thankful that we finally opened it up, and here we are. So I'm okay.
5: (laughs) Good, I'm glad to hear that. I know it's still emotional.
1: It's very emotional. I I don't usually cry, but I guess I was... um, thinking about how how much it meant to me to be able to talk about what was happening and uh, and you know be able to talk about it. So and that's what you gave me was this freedom and um and people know my sister now. They love her. They think that she's beautiful and she went through a lot and those boys went through a lot and Mike went through a lot and you know I um uh, I don't know what to say but you know everybody was hurt that day it wasn't just Jill it was it was it was her whole family and Mike's family and our family and so That's about it. I better not talk anymore. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm probably just
2: rambling. So here we are, a year after we started investigating the death of Jill Wells with many new answers and still nagging, lingering questions and some official action. Jill's death certificate now reflects the reality of the evidence in the case, that it doesn't support the definitive conclusion that Tanner Wells accidentally shot and killed his mother. We'll continue following up. Sheriff Nestor plans to talk to some people who wouldn't talk to us. People who may know things that have never been disclosed. For now, that's it. We'll be back when we can report new developments. Blame is a production of KUSA-TV, 9 News, and Tegna Media. Nicole Vapp is executive producer. Anna Hewson is the producer and editor. And I'm investigative reporter Kevin Vaughn. Find photographs, police reports, maps, and other evidence on 9news.com slash blame